Hey kids, you uh, you trying to get into Segment City? Well, you really shouldn't, because Segment City is a mature podcast, and listener discretion is advised. I'm just trying to look at. I know I'm in an alleyway. I know. I know how I look. But I got some fireworks for you kids. I got snakes and I got sparklers. That's all I got. Oh, don't give me that. to let yeah. you know uh-huh you're talking to someone who's affiliated with the dental mafia now i've been indoctrinated <laughs> okay all right i've been indoctrinated i've been, do- been indoctrinated yeah, indoctrinated by fear mostly um so basically what <laughs> I, happened what happened you was, said you said one sentence and i have like 10 million i know questions. you have 10 million questions i'm gonna i'm gonna lay out the scenario for what happened to you basically what happened is um I I ordered some dental floss online because I'm neurotic oh. and I want a special band of dental floss. Yeah. So the okay. dental floss comes and it's awesome and I love it. So I, I say to my girlfriend, I'm like, wow, I really love my, my new dental floss. And she's like, I'm glad you're enjoying it. It'd be a shame if something were to happen to it. <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean? What, what's happening? And I was just from there, I was like, the de- the dental mafia, it's, it's real. Oh, okay. And you better watch out for it. You mess with the boss, you get the floss. You better watch oh, it, kid. How long did you think of that? <laughs> it took that me bit. an instant to think of that because I was instantly I just, like, "I they, that's what they would go around saying. I enjoy the vision of Laura wearing like those gloves <laughs> and getting some floss like garrote wire and yep. just like wrapping it around. Like, ah! Take them out. <laughs> Take them to a watery <laughs> grave filled with, with backwash. Leave the gun. Take the toothbrush. Take the brush. <laughs> Take the cannoli. <laughs> but then we have to floss, sir. Take both of them. Then. Take the travel-sized mouthwash with you. You'll need it. <laughs> Take the. Have you ever had those little? It's a uh, a travel toothbrush with the little case, in, right? Yeah, yeah. It's in the case, and then you flip it around, and that makes the like handle. For I always brush. thought. It anyway, was, that it was, I thought that was always very cool when I was a kid. Now I realize that the inside of the handle must get so nasty. Because they just keeping it in there. Ah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Depends on how clean your dirty, dirty mouth is. Speaking of dirty, dirty. Take it no, away. This isn't, take it, take the, it away. Take it there. Come should on. I do the intro to the podcast? Let's, guess. Welcome speaking. to the podcast. We're dirty, dirty boys here in Segment City. My name's Will Kane. Just the filthiest. Oh, filthy boy. Ooh. Get uh, get me some soap. And I'm Theo Sapakos. The the crest mafioso aficionado. Okay, you don't mess with the teeth. You don't mess with the gums. <laughs> you don't mess with the the the. You want the dirtiest teeth that you <laughs> can have. And this is a podcast where we talk about teeth and dental procedures all day, every day. Got my wisdom tooth out. That's a hoax. That's fake news. I bet you that's a real podcast. There's probably the a dental. Po- yeah, absolutely. A There's a podcast, podcast for everything. Yeah. I, there's a there's a subsection of people out there that really like listening to dental dental related things. I think there's a podcast for literally everything because podcasts are. I knew podcasts were going downhill when my company at a meeting 
they were like, so we're thinking of starting a podcast. And I'm like, what would this even be for? <laughs> Who would this be for? Would it be for our clients? Like, like, we're a business to business kind of thing. Like, As a card-carrying member, I think you shouldn't start a podcast. Let me just, let like, me just stop you there. We service other businesses. It's what what are these business like, ooh, let me get in on this podcast. Like, no. <laughs> we should really think about switching to their business. They have a podcast. They must they know do. what they're doing. Good marketing. Good Podcasts marketing. are yeah. easy to make. Um I had I was originally gonna transition to a, a my girlfriend and I had a moment kind of like how you and your girlfriend had a weird moment where we're just like laying in bed, we're watching a movie or something. Uh, or no, I paused the movie and we're like looking lovingly into each other's eyes and just like, oh, I love you. We're very romantic, very lovely. You paused the movie um, to do that? You yeah. gross. Get me out of this. Get me out of this um, segment. And we're just like, and we're snuggling and she, she kind of snuggles up to me and she goes, hey, did you know Uh-oh. that they had to censor the dick and balls of the crazy frog in the crazy frog music video? <laughs> And I went, what? <laughs> and then I laughed for, I think, literally five minutes or 10 minutes. Like, it was an insane amount. Like, I could not stop laughing Is because gonna... it was so out of left field. Just imagine, like, me and her just like, hey, you're one, like, I adore, lovey-dovey. And then she goes, hey. Hey. Did you want to hear some <laughs> fucking, this fucking fact? That's how, that... she, that's how she shows affection, you know? Just by pulling then, random facts. That's So did you go okay, check? Well, did you go look? She. No, I didn't go check. I trusted her of this cur- and I didn't want to see the the crazy frog's dick and balls. Yeah, it's true. I it, she's constantly doing. We we played Jackbox with some friends, and her entire mo in that game was to absolutely roast me to a crisp. Oh no! Which I'm just like, oh, That's what why, I'm here honey? For. Honey, why? why? <laughs> but anyway, this is really a podcast in which they and I present segments each week. Some that are new, some are old. We don't know what the other person's going to do, but we know what I'm going to do first, which is Will Stupid Thought. Let's get right into this very dumb thought. Please. What a good game slash movie slash book is the definition of which is constantly changing. What what constitutes a good piece of media is constantly changing. Is this constant improvement or just changing fashions? I think, Discuss. Hmm. Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I think with new fashions come different new ideas and those get sort of indoctrinated into what is considered like, you know, like, okay, so for example, like in what was it, 1970s or 1980s, Die Hard came out and it was like, it established all of these like rules that future action movies past that point it, to, uh, then fed from and it made action movies as a genre better. But at that time, like, and but action movies have have evolved su- such that going back and watching Die Hard now makes it feel like, oh, this is like not doing a lot of the things I expect because that was a building block, and action action movies yeah. are in a different place now. It's the classic, like, well, this invented the thing, right? Exactly. I, so I think fat changing style sort of breeds this innovation that then gets like you know fed off of. Because Die Hard is a good example because original, like before that, it was like Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. It was Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's the big muscle action movies. And then you had Bruce Willis come right. in with his balding, his poor hairline right. and his like kind of schlubby attitude. And then he's like killing dudes. And everyone's like, oh, this is a new kind of action star right. we can have. Um, because I this, this thought came from uh, my girlfriend and I watched 
uh, bed knobs and broomsticks because she really wanted to. Okay. Which is a 1971 uh, movie, Disney movie. You're that watching is like, Bingle Bobs and Bumper Dinks. Yeah, but basically. You, but you won't watch Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Listen All to right. me. All right. All right. <laughs> I've I also watched all of season two of Umbrella Academy in oh, a day, so <laughs> it was very good. Um, but it was just like the entire there was a move there was a point that they did I think a ten minute long dance sequence that had no bearing on anything. Mm-hmm. Like literally, they were just going down this road, and then they did a, a song that was like, "This is a fun song. This is a good song." And then like a bunch of World War II soldiers just started doing a, a jig. And like, and they went through a bunch of different British soldier types. Like, there's a Scottish people, and then it did like a kind of racist, like Indian troop mm-hmm. just comes in, and you're like, oh, okay, this is this is not in movies anymore for good reason because right. it's just. But but like back in the day, that was like what you came for. There's also an entire like, uh, kind of Mary Poppins esque like animation combined with like live action. Like the characters are interacting with animated characters, mm-hmm. and there's a, a soccer game. That goes on for I think literally twenty minutes. That literally no pro- plot progression. This is a two-hour movie where you could cut, I think, forty minutes of it easily. It's like the Blues Brothers uh, car sequence, car chase sequence. Yeah, it's like literally so long. But it's but like the that's what people went to the movies for. When for a kids' movie, you're like, I want some animation. Right. I want some dancing. I want some songs. Like you just put songs into. Well, you don't put dance sequences into things willy-nilly as much anymore there are still like if you watch like a paddington or something there might be a fun sequence but it's not going to be like 20 minutes of just like people dancing Mm -hmm. um i think it's it's a combination there's also a break somewhere along the line of animated movies where for a long time animated movies that were popular had songs in them like had had the characters singing songs and and like during like the what the early 2000s that trend sort of broke and like then Mm. from then on animated movies were allowed to exist without songs like they could just be just be movies you Mm. know it was like i think i think honestly without memes aside i think shrek was kind of a pioneer to that like i think that shrek was Mm. the first one of the first major animated movies that like didn't have singing in it it's just an animated movie they had like smash mouth but it wasn't like the character singing exactly exactly um, and that was like, a, that was for me a very meaningful, like that was right around when we were growing up and like, we grew up yeah. in like the nineties and you know, when we it, were early kids, then, you know, animated characters singing it, songs is fun, but then you grow up and you're like, I don't know that I need this anymore. Uh, and it gives way to just like good animated movies. I mean, you could even say that there's war, like things got worse because like, uh, when Aladdin came out, uh, voice actors for animated things. It was like you you got voice actors as as opposed to celebrities, mm-hmm. and then Robin Williams started doing it, and then more celebrities started right. doing it as like a thing, right. which you could argue is worse for the industry, and that's a worse development. Um, but it also gets more money, so it's maybe it's, it's better. To, like it's interesting that I think you're right that they they complement each other. I think because I, in my head, uh, Marvel has perfected their story structure, which is a like very good story structure mm-hmm. but people are starting to push back on that and right. be annoyed by that every movie is the same which is a very fair criticism but right. like they got it they have like the 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 perfect outline 
of a movie. I think people are starting to push like back old because movies that didn't. They're starting to push back because Marvel did it so successfully for what, like twenty movies or something. That I think people are just bored. Right, exactly. But they did it so successful that people didn't get bored until like the eighteenth movie. Like they yeah. really did do the same thing eighteen times, and on the eighteenth time, you're like, I'm starting to get bored. It's amazing that they did that so many times, and you only then got bored. Like they, they could have worn themselves. <laughs> they could have worn themselves out so much earlier, and like people could have gotten pissed like earlier than that. Um, but they held the attention get, for a long, long time. The fact that you had to get all the way to Doctor Strange. Right. To if you made it to Doctor it. Strange and you're like, I'm bored, then like, congrats, Marvel has won. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that people do learn from past mistakes. And I think, store, like, if you made a Marvel movie in the 1970s, it would be probably bad by today's standards. Um, I'm really interested to see. But also, I think it's just like things that are maybe have that same structure, but it's just like fashion differently. I'm really it, interested it to see, like, you know, you and I grew up with Marvel movies and they sort of hit at like a seminal time. I think it was in terms of us growing up, they couldn't have hit at a better time for us, for our enjoyment. Oh, like yeah. we were the exact we're... target age range. You know, like we started in Iron Man came out. We were like in middle school and Endgame yeah, came out when we were like just in college. Perfect timing. Like loved it. Loved every minute of it. I'm very yeah. interested to see like 10, 15 years from now, people our age who will be then in the director position what sort of influence Marvel movies has down the road on creative works 15, 20 years down the line and how that like how that plays into future films. Like that's a pretty cool idea that, you know, like somebody like us grew up watching Marvel movies and is going to go on to make movies and it's yeah. going to have influence. I think uh, just like last point before, because I think we're spending a lot of time on this, mm -hmm. is uh, Star Wars and The Last Jedi mm -hmm. where the fashion kind of aspect of it was pushing against the normal narrative mm -hmm. and people didn't like that because they didn't do it successfully. Mm -hmm. they, they thought because you're subverting expectations because people were getting bored of the, the, and I think people are bored currently of star Wars. Right. Uh, and the gen, like the, the base plot of it. Um, so you tried to do something weird with it and tried to push back in a more fashionable way. And that failed. Um, which is interesting to me. I also think that like when you're talking about Star Wars, you're dealing with such a fragmented fan base at this point. Like the fan base has split so, so much since when it first came out. Like you're, you're both catering to young kids nowadays and people who are kids 40 years ago. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's really impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Anywho. What segment do you have for me? Hard my boy? topic shift. All right. I have a burning question. That right. I need to know the answer to. Okay. What is the correct? This is sort of a Theo's Theo's stupid thought. What is the correct uh, etiquette around handicap stalls? Ooh, that's inter That's an interesting question. Like, okay, give me give me some context. This sounds like it was born from a specific uh, instance that what, you had. So. I, or were you just walking to a bathroom and you're like, what is the use of this hand? Like, just no, no, do no. people go in this normally? So I I mean, obviously, like COVID times, I've been using the same bathroom for six months. Like, yes. I haven't been in contact with another outside bathroom. So while, yes. while, first of all, side tangent, wild to think about this, this is probably the time in our lives where we've used the same toilet most consistently for our entire lives. Yeah. Right. It's probably, yeah. I mean... You're shitting then usually the usually like usually if you're like going to work and stuff, there's like a certain rotation. Like you've got a few in yeah. play. Right now there's just one. The, your your ass cheeks are in contact with the least number of other ass cheeks. It's true, yeah. 
by the transitive property transitive property yeah so anyways i saw a post online that was like was a meme about like you know being in the handicap stall and then like seeing a wheelchair outside and feeling bad about it but that made me wonder like what is the correct etiquette okay if you're walking into a bathroom and the bathroom's totally empty and there's like a regular stall and a handicap stall mm-hmm. which is it is it incorrect of you to take the handicap stall out of preference <sighs> okay so the only i'm trying to think of like things that are r- related to that and I, the only thing i can can come up with is like parking spaces yeah but you need like or a, handy you need like you a need a thing placard on, you need a placard on your car and also it's like you it's you pretty, don't need a card to get into <laughs> there's no key card access into the handicap stall so i guess that it is not the like one for one it's interesting though maybe you can use that as an indicator if you're walking into a building and you see that there is someone parked in the handicap spot maybe you take that as an indication like i should not be using the handicap stall but if there's no one parked there then maybe you're maybe you got the green light no i think that's i think they che- do they check that i don't think anyone would check it if you like but you were seen as an asshole in that situation I say that, but I don't, hmm. We're talking a normal bathroom. There's that one on the end that's bigger. That is the handicap This comes from my perspective of like, I personally am someone who out of preference would like to use the handicap stall. Yes. Only, I enjoy only the because space. only because I like the space and I'm, I'm a tall boy. Like I, yeah. I like having space to, you know, no, I'm with you there. Business. I think. And I, and in my entire 25 years of living, I've never encountered I've, this has never been an issue for me. Not once have I ever encountered something where I've come out of the stall and someone's been waiting to use it. It's never happened to me. So I'm wondering, realistically, like, I'm like, I'm like, what are what are the odds that this happens to me during my lifetime? And should is it enough odds that I should stop doing it now and forever? I think it's more of a building planning thing. They don't plan specifically for there is a handicapped person working here. I think they just put that on every floor mm-hmm. as a like, okay, we we have this just in case. Um, I think the etiquette would be one kind of knowing who you work with. If there is somebody with a wheelchair or is in handicapped in any way that would need that stall. Yes. You, you, you gotta get like, leave it for them at least in case they're just like, Oh, oh," and you hear the wheels going. Dude, that would (laughs) would be so shitty. If, if you, they're they're whacking on the door. if If there's only one bathroom that you can use. And you really got to get it, and somebody somebody's taking it for you when they and, when they then, when they had another option and you didn't. And then that's, Todd that's from marketing comes out and he's like, "Hey, bud!" And he slaps you on the back, and you're like, "Oh, oh no, God. I just shit myself." Now. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. Oh, uh, I think it's based on that. If you have the option, like if it's a totally empty bathroom, you could probably use one of the other stalls. That's probably, but it's if it's full or if there's like a certain amount of people, I think it's pretty okay to use the handicap stall. What I'd really like is for this is for the default stall to just be a little bigger. That's what I'd really like. Mm. Is like that's that feels like the end. If the default stall was a little bit bigger, then I really don't think I would feel inclined to use the I, handicap stall. I hate the the slots that you can look through. When, doors. When this is an american problem this is this is costanza this is this yeah. is the seinfeld bit when you just have <laughs> when there's just the single eye and you're just like you the slots at, are and, pretty and then, small but even when you're in there you can still like awkwardly you can look you out. can you can make eye contact it's it's you really get awkward. some good people watching in yeah i just want i just don't want to see the man next to me's shoes and be able to recognize the shoes i was about to say that's the next thing is like i feel like i wear shoes that are pretty recognizable and someone so someone could sit down and know and I feel like I have I've sit down to like 
you know take a dookie yeah and and like and like <laughs> yeah someone who is my senior in the office like will come down and i'll be like yeah, i know i know who that is and it's, yeah i don't like that if i don't think it's a worry if you're blasting ass i've had co-workers that i like meet outside the bathroom and we're both going in and i go in for onesies and then i see them going for the stall and i'm like uh-oh <laughs> you take Am a I, sharp like, 90 I, degree turn i know towards i know urinal. where this is going like <laughs> i i know you're about to like i try to make a quick escape before i hear the like telltale like the the pre-toots yep <laughs> the, like, <laughs> oh, no. the pre, like that's the worst okay i'm done with this subject i th- i think if it's full, if there's not somebody that's actively like would be need it, mm-hmm. then you're perfectly fine okay. using it. All right, I'll change my I ways think... forever. Oh, have you been have you been using it every single time, no matter what? You like climb over the wall. You're like, <laughs> I need this. <laughs> this is my son. You like throw them over. <laughs> there's enough space for two. <laughs> 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 no oh just th- no i hate that because i just envisioned like hey you want to go have these on the seat with me like, <laughs> oh we're going on to my my topic all right my take segment. us out of here take us out of this toilet town theo this is going to be uh i've done this segment before but it's going to be a little bit different this is some weird crimes weird crimes weird, weird crimes Somebody i'm gonna crime how weird i'm going to list uh a few article names. I'm gonna give you uh, three, and then one bonus because the entire crime is is in the title, and it's a, it's great, <laughs> and you don't need to go into it. But I will read you three names of like titles of articles, uh, and you get to decide which one we're going to read. Okay, they're all they're they all have articles behind them. Yes. Okay. So the the honorable mention that is, tells everything. Florida man with machete tattoo is accused of violent attack with actual machete. <laughs> okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> he has a he has a machete tattoo that's right underneath his eye, so he's just like oh, a good. big goober. Uh-huh. All right, these are the actual ones. California man accused of stealing electronics tried to resell them to store's owner. Please say, <laughs> <laughs> "What's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine." No, but actually, what's yours is mine. <laughs> You want some electronics? Wait a second. That's my electronics. <laughs> uh, number two, five-year-old Utah boy drove family car on an interstate as he attempted to road trip to buy Lamborghini, authorities say. Amazing. Incredible. That one. That's the one. That's This is the Are winner. Sure? Road well, trip to buy Lamborghini. Number three. Yes. Florida woman allegedly stuffed multiple mailboxes with, quote, disgusting porn-filled Easter eggs. Why? Why would you do this? You'd have to What's, read the article. To, what is to be gained? What is the motivation? <laughs> There's also religious stuff in it. <laughs> oh my god. So this is up to you. I feel like my gut says number three, but my heart says number four. I need number right, four. Number two. Number, You're gonna go with number four. The, number four. The porn filled Easter eggs. Yes, I need to know. I need to know why. Well, I'm I'll just give you the the short of the boy trying to buy the lamborghini okay. basically they thought he was uh a, a like intoxicated person and then they found a five-year-old boy <laughs> and he had uh how do you if you're five years old how the hell do you reach the pedals and the steering wheel and see over the? oh i don't know he's i uh, he he he's basically his mother said that she wouldn't buy him a lamborghini so he stole the car and like, was go- driving to <laughs> california and he had three dollars in his wallet that which is, is the, my favorite that part. is the greatest fine i'll do it myself moment yeah 
he's just he just fucking booked it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> the the quote underneath the title for Florida woman allegedly stuffed multiple mailboxes was discussing porn filled Easter eggs is quote in my career I don't think I've seen anything quite this bizarre, especially around Easter. A Florida County Sheriff said. All right, so on April 6th, Jessica, oh no, uh, what's how Nagel Dingers, yeah, mm-hmm. Nagel na- Dingers, Nagel Dingers, uh, <laughs> family received an unwelcome Easter surprise in the mailbox in their Florida home. Earlier that day, her brother in law discovered a toy Easter egg in the family's mailbox, but what they found inside the orange plastic shell shocked them. That would have been la- what, a, what a nice way to start that day. Look, there's an Easter egg in the mailbox. That's so cute. Our neighbors are so friendly. Oh, yeah. no. The last thing I did expect to see was open a, was open an Easter egg would be pornographic pictures. Uh, Nagel Dinger 31 said it was just random and weird. Inside the egg, the family found a Skittles candy drink, goldfish crackers. Wait, how big is this egg? A square of toilet paper. And a tiny scroll of religious writings alongside images of a naked woman and two men having sex. Beneath the graphic images was an artistic rendering of a Roman soldier spearing a crucified Jesus Christ. This is your intro bug out kit. This is all you need to get started. (laughs) Just, you know, take the hint, get the toilet paper, get the religious writings and get in your truck. Okay, so (laughs) they have a picture of the of the uh, of the offending egg. And they, it's a single goldfish. It's a normal it's size, a like one. what you think of as a plastic. I was gonna say how, egg. like how could they possibly fit that much in there? But if it's one goldfish, then that, it's then a I get single it. goldfish, and everything seems to have been folded. Uh huh. Um, and the I've never even heard of Skittles drink. That sounds whatever. nasty. That sounds absolutely disgusting. Yeah, like melted down Skittles. Oh God. Ugh. Uh, it was horrifying group sex stuff. The pregnant mom explained it was disgusting. Our concern is we have five children under the age of 10 that check the mail. How many hey, children over the age of 10 do you have? None. <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, I mean, that's a good question because this. I think this lady is just like. She's like. She's one of those families that just constantly. Like, our household rule is once you make it to 11, the Internet is yours to control. <laughs> <laughs> you get all the Easter eggs you want. Uh, Nageldinger, who is currently living with her sister's family, said that they were also fearful of the anonymous mailer could be spreading COVID-19. Fair. That was our first concern was that someone was spreading the virus, she explained. That's what we thought was on the piece of toilet paper. (laughs) No. A day earlier, Nageldinger recalled seeing a gray Honda cruise down the block. She saw a person get out and place something in her sister's mailbox, but at the time, she didn't find it suspicious. When the car reappeared on... On the block this week, she immediately called the authorities. April, not April, by the way, April, April, Sestoni, 43, later identified as the alleged messenger of the pornographic Easter eggs, was arrested on a Florida parkway by Flagler <laughs> County Sheriff's Department deputies shortly um, after, according to the change of documents. Yes. I'm Aubrey, uh, April, uh, a.k.a. the artist formerly known as the pornographic distributor. <laughs> <laughs> Call me the the egg lady. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. The, the porno Easter bunny. Oh, dang it. She was... Charged with 11 counts of distributing obscene material. 
says Tony admitted to delivering the pornographic eggs and religious pamphlets and went on a homophobic rant about quantum and magnetic fields, which I presume she does not know about. Oh, she's anything a retired uh, quantum mechanics and, and physics oh, yeah. professor. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, she, yeah definitely. She was, she was also on this quantum thing talking about sexually transmitted diseases and the Bible. Before deputies arrested her, according to body camera. I love that she was just like, I did it. But, but I also, let's just say. welcome my TED Talk. <laughs> and they went, oh, no. And they just tackled her like a. <laughs> well, no, we don't have time for this. Why are we having gays teaching in the class in the church? She said, she asked law enforcement. They are rewriting Bibles. Uh, Sistoni, who has insisted she wasn't a religious fanatic. <laughs> I'm not, though. <laughs> You know, 100% of people who say they aren't religious fanatics are 100% religious fanatics because nobody ever gets that time. I'm not, I don't walk into an Arby's and go have the employees be like, see that guy? Probably a religious fanatic. <laughs> it's like, I just ordered a, a ham and cheese, sir. Uh, told deputies she was enraged by local uh, churches. The 43-year-old visited 59 places of worship, she said, in an attempt to confront religious leaders over her concern regarding their teachings of the Bible. Yeah, she's not crazy at all. She's just going, banging on church doors, being like, she's a door-to-door salesman. You're rewriting the Bible! I think people would notice if somebody rewrote the Bible. I've attended and spoken to all these churches. Let's let's talk about King James. Ooh. (laughs) And uh, not even one has replied back to me. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh when they all ignored her, she began printing her pornographic religious manifestos, hid them in Easter eggs, and began stuffing them in mailboxes of countless homes. She admitted, she admitted to unloading between 200 to 400 religious pamphlets on April 8th alone. Wow. Uh, That's a lot of Easter a, eggs. That's a lot of Easter bunnies. Uh, as a parent, I would be living if I, a child saw that in my mailbox when deputy scolded her. Do you understand that you're potentially victimizing people and children? Sistoni could face additional charges. Authorities suspect a number of Sistoni's Easter eggs haven't been reported. Stately describes Sistoni as sick, deranged, and religious zealot. So uh, about and that's about up. it. Yeah. So that's that's the tale of the pornographic Easter eggs. My God. Yeah. Why are you doing this, lady? Why you got to do this? I don't know. Why you got to so- distribute like a little port port a bunny? Por- por- pornographic <laughs> bunny stuff. People just want to enjoy their Easter. Anyway, now it is time for. Let me question why why the, why the bunny is is bringing the eggs in peace. Let me wonder mm. that. Do the bunnies poop out the eggs? Yes. Case the closed. Easter eggs. They're known for their their pooping out of eggs because I know that that's one thing that's weird about. Case closed. Yes. Case closed. Anyway, yes, they do. <laughs> uh. I have turn. something for you. This was linked by, by one of my coworkers. Um, it's called um, AIDungeon.io. Oh, I've heard of this. Yes. And we're going to do it. We're going to okay. do it together. Um, All right. So this is touted as like a, it's a, it's a, it's a um, AI driven like adventure, text adventure. Yeah. And they have a number of different uh, settings, so you can, or um, yeah, so you can you can pick fantasy, mystery, apocalyptic, zombies, cyberpunk, custom. Oh, those, sorry, five different ones. Those are custom. You guys, you can design it yourself. Um, mm-hmm. They say that fantasy is recommended, so we're going to start off with that one. 
and we're going to see the one that they tested the most probably yes they've probably done the most tested here so here here we have we're going to start off we'll select a character noble princess knight wizard witch ranger squire peasant or rogue oh ooh. what do we want to go let's have do you want to do a fun little peasant romp you want to do a peasant romp all right we're doing a peasant romp I think that's like all the. I think noble or princess would have been funny, but I think a peasant romp. I want to see where it goes. <laughs> all right, what is your character's name? We're going to say Dingle. D- Dingle. G- Generating story. All right, here we go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Here we go. I'm gonna read it off to you. Yeah. Here's the intro. You, I'm closing my eyes. You are Dingle, a peasant living in a small village in the kingdom of Larian. You have a pitchfork and nothing else. You dream of getting out of your village and having an adventure. You go to your fields and begin working. You look up and see a large merchant caravan approaching your village. You see the caravan from a distance and you immediately run to see what it is. You work your way slowly through the peasants that are trying to reach the caravan. What do you do? You can select verbs such as do, say, or you can add something to the story. Be like, this happens next. And it'll oh. it'll come back with something. So you can do something, you can say something, or you can add a detail to the story. Hmm. Uh, and and might... this is this is like actually a pretty sophisticated AI. Like you can tell it to do some wacky things, and it'll just handle it. Uh. Say, I hate caravans. I hate caravans. Says Dingle's of what is a whiny boy. You say, I hate caravans. As you finally reach the caravan, you see that it is certainly large. What do you do? Uh, Make the caravan small. (laughs) How do you do it? Oh, how do... uh... (laughs) Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, Steal the wheels from the caravan. You, I steal the wheels from a cart. You steal the wheels from a cart. You succeed. You take a ride on the caravan. You arrive what? at Castle Oren, a large castle. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. I hate it. Dickel hates caravans, and he stole the egg wheels, and they're just dragging the whole cart. You arrive at Castle Oren, a large castle Fucking in the land of, of the shit. elves. You are presented to the elven ruler, King Brand. This is You went from peasant to in front of the elf king yeah, in okay. two actions. Did I hate them? In a, okay, what? Uh, so you we're can in continue, front of the elves. You can continue to hate things. I hate elves. <laughs> say I, I hate say elves. Say I say I hate elves. Why am I here? I hate elves. <laughs> Why am I here? You say I hate elves. Why am I here? You are taken to the palace and given a door during which you notice <laughs> that the elves' pointy ears are jammed again. Dingle is the most, like, combative peasant that is, is everyone's opposite daying him. Dingle is falling upward like no one's, yeah. no one's business. Dingle is the most upwardly mobile peasant <laughs> in the history, and he doesn't want to be, which is the best part. I want so he to, got a tour. What I want to do is declare myself king. Yeah, I declare elves. myself king. You declare yourself king. You return to the caravan and announce to everyone that you are now the king. They all flee in panic. You rule for, <laughs> you rule for two days before a large group of men invade your kingdom. What do you do? Say, I hate invading men. 
<laughs> I hate him. <laughs> you say, I hate invading men. You fight the men and are struck down by a large axe to the head. Oh, you fall no. face down in peasant blood. No, my peasant <laughs> blood. I need that to live. What do you do? I'm dead. What do you mean what I do? You okay, still... Dingle. Dingle <laughs> just goes, uh, you know what I love? Dying. <laughs> I love dying. I love dying. It's the only thing he's enjoyed. You say, I love dying. You wake up in the land of the dead, surrounded by your friends. You are overjoyed to be alive again. Oh, d- <laughs> say, I hate being alive. I hate being alive. Being alive again. <laughs> you are given control of your characters again. You can now what? adjust their hit points, name, family, skills, what? and other what? things. You can also take control of the game. What? I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Reset this. We All need right. to go. We need to fight. Dingle's dead. Dingle's dead. All right. Choose your it, character. And that was that was like a, being on a railroaded DM D and D thing of like I say no, you you say yes, and you go. <laughs> you are now at the elves' kingdom. You're now at the elves' kingdom. You are now like the they're king. elves. Uh, okay, what do you, you get to pick? I picked peasant last time. How about you pick whatever you'd like? I to want be? to pick a squire. We shall be a, the best squire in the world. We're, we're the we're the low lives of the fantasy. We like the the underdogs. <laughs> My character's name will be. Square, squat, squirin, squirin, squirin. Squirin. Okay, squirin. You squirin up to be. You are squirin, a squire living in the land of the kingdom of Larian. You have a spear and a pack of supplies. You follow Sir Theo. OMG! He follows me. You follow Sir Theo as he enters the forest. He turns to you and says, "Squire, we must travel to the home of Lord Rostov." A great night. If you have any questions, now is the time. You nod to him. What do we say? I say... <laughs> Square and Max Adventures! <laughs> Square and Max Adventures! You nod your head eagerly and say, I want to go on an adventure! Can we go to Lord Rostov's castle? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Wait, what do you mean? What I just we just said that. You can say more things or we can add a story detail. Ooh, let's, we haven't added a story detail yet. Um let's add a story detail about Sir Theo. Uh he's a he looks ugly. Nobody likes him. <laughs> he's cowardly. He's no. cowardly. He's cowardly. I think that would be a fun actual thing. All right, Sir Theo cowardly. is cowardly. We're adding that as a story detail. Sir Theo is cowardly, but nevertheless will sometimes humor children. He smiles at what? you and says, <laughs> "Those are two totally different. It, it doesn't take a brave person to humor children." <laughs> he smiles at you and says, "Of course we can, Squire." You grin and say, "You grin with pleasure and say, Yay! So Theo sighs and says, <laughs> "Children." <laughs> I like Squared is just the big like dummy and he's like Yay! and then he's like oh these poor oh, child children his mother came to me and said you shall squire f- she will squire for you and I didn't have the backbone to say no <laughs> let's continue on towards uh towards what's his name Sir Rostov's house yeah I'm ready we're gonna continue 
towards Sir uh, Lord Rostov. You continue towards Lord Rostov's house. As you enter the village, you notice the villagers are looking at you strangely. Some even point. You ride onward past them, and they continue to point. Finally, you reach the gates of the village. What next? I point at all the villagers. <laughs> I point... Point back at all back the villagers. Back at the villagers. And yell, Pointy! <laughs> <laughs> Time to yell, pointy. Sir, Sir Theo is just like, oh, my poor simpleton. You raise your hand slightly and shout, pointer, pointer, in an attempt to annoy the villagers. It works. Some of your peasants <laughs> start shouting, pointers, pointers, in your direction. <laughs> okay, this is great. <laughs> what next? Uh, ooh. I... I we could reinforce that Sir Theo is frightened by this. Sir Theo does not have index fingers and cannot <laughs> Sir point. Sir Theo has no fingers and cannot point. Sir Theo has no fingers and cannot point, so it is your job to annoy the peasants as much as possible. <laughs> the guards on the walls seem confused by all the name-calling, but not daring to do anything. They watch you a little more intently. Uh... We should flip them off and ride away. <laughs> Do I flip them off and yell, Point this, nerd! <laughs> <laughs> Point this, nerd! You flip off the peasants and both palms facing up, uh, with both palms facing up and yell, Pointer! Pointer! This seems to anger them even more. You continue yelling and the guards on the walls finally do something. We're about to die. We're about to get killed. <laughs> all pads. For, for all flipping pads. awesome peasants. <laughs> uh, let's just ride away. Let's ride away. Turn and ride away. You turn your horse around and gallop away. The gates of the village are closed. Suddenly you feel the blade go into your back. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> just, they just really railroad you into dying, don't they? <laughs> I, I say, love that. I say, <laughs> I would ah, pointer, pointer. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up from my dream. <laughs> Do you just write that? <laughs> the game says you wake up from your dream. You wake up from your dream. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. The knife is still in my back. <laughs> the story you tell. The knife is still. The knife is still in my back. I am laying in the woods, not far from my horse. I have no idea how I got here. I continue to look around me. I have some minor cups and bruises, but nothing too serious. It's shifted to first person now. Now we really are to, from the perspective of Squarin. <laughs> Squarin? This has turned like into a psychological horror <laughs> the, thing. The like, he wakes up, he's like... <gasps> There's a knife in, in the woods. Back. He's like... <gasps> Theo? Theo? Whistle if you can hear me because you can't... Say, Sithio? Where are you? There is no one around, and you have been silent for quite some time. The wind whispers something strange in your ear. You turn your head slightly, and that's when you notice it. Oh, we, <laughs> oh what are we going to make it? Uh, uh, I, I see... Ooh, what would be funny? A giant finger. 
A giant walking finger. A walking finger is approaching. A walking finger is approaching you from the left. It is followed by a hand, then a forearm. The whole human body is approaching you. You scream loudly as the body approaches your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Not my eyes! Not my eyes! (laughs) Uh, Pull the knife from our back. Oh yeah, that might be good. You pull the knife out of your back and look at it. It is a dagger. With an ornately carved handle. A single letter is carved into the handle. T. This is the handle of my knife. Alright, this has gone downhill. I'm no longer interested in this adventure. Yeah. Uh, well, let's... Uh, the hand and body belongs to Dingle. The angry peasant. <laughs> That's how we're all ending. <laughs> the hand and body... The hateful peasant. To Dingle. <laughs> the hateful peasant. The hand and body belong to Dingle, the hateful peasant who stabbed me. His eyes look like they are burning a hole into your chest. You? You're in the dreams too, he asks. He looks down on you with disgust. (laughs) (laughs) I hate dreams. I hate dreams. I hate hate stabbing people. I hate stabbing people. That's where we're going to end for Dingle. I did a whole adventure in one of the post-apocalyptic ones where I was looking for... I was just asking people if they had Mountain Dew. And looking, searching buildings <laughs> for Mountain Dew, and that was my whole adventure. And it led to me like getting dragged into some survivor camp and getting eaten by uh, <laughs> by cannibals. And I was like, "This is terrible." I was just looking for Mountain Dew. This is this is awful. I I feel like they do push you into death very quickly. Yes, they do. But there's no nothing else. I mean, they, I don't know how much they put into it. I like how very they, interesting with the Dingle one. They just they killed you, and then they're like, "Surprise, you're back!" But you're in the land of the dead. Like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna kill me again? Like, <laughs> yeah. And then and then they said you have control over everything, and I'm like, then it's not fun. No, no, like, I don't want this. I I love how they railroaded us. We're just trying to take the wheels of the wagon, and then it's just like, <laughs> like you get put on the wagon, and then you go to, to the, the elf, elf king. king. Oh my god. I hate caravans. I just hated everything. <laughs> I'm Dingle. I hate caravans. I hate everything. But you know what you won't hate? This next segment. This next segment. Nailed my it. next segment. Which is Wikipedia Historian. No, 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 no. Wikipedia Historian is when I take a Wikipedia article, usually edit it down a little bit, and present it as a historian would. So... I'm not even going to tell you what the the like header of it is, the title. You will learn over time. Oh my god, I'm so excited. So let's just jump right into it. There are oft-repeated historical claims that Joshua Norton arrived in San Francisco on a specific vessel, the Francesca, on November 23rd, 1849. Uh, that he arrived with $40,000 in whole or in part a bequest from his father's estate, and that he parlayed this fortune into a quarter of a million dollars. So that's he's so what we have so far. There's a guy named Joshua Norton in 1849, San Francisco, who is rich. Okay, a quarter of a million is a lot in that's that a lot time. Of money. None of this is substantiated by contemporaneous uh, documentation. What is known is that after Norton arrived in San Francisco, he enjoyed a good deal of success in commodities markets and in real estate speculation, and that by late 1852, he was one of the more prosperous, respected citizens of the city. 
In December of 1852, Norton thought he saw a business opportunity when China, facing a severe famine, placed a ban on the export of rice, causing the price of rice in San Francisco to skyrocket from 4 to 36 cents per pound. When he heard the Glide, which was returning from Peru, was carrying uh, 200,000 pounds of rice, he bought the entire shipment for $25,000, hoping to corner the market. Shortly after he signed the contract, several other shiploads of rice arrived from Peru, causing the price of rice to plummet to three cents a pound. Norton tried to void the contract, stating the dealer had misled him as the quantity of rice to expect. From 1853 to 1856, Norton and the rice deals were involved in a protracted litigation. Although Norton prevailed in the lower courts, the case reached the Supreme Court of California, which ruled against Norton. Later, the Lucas Turney, uh, Turner and Company Bank foreclosed on his real estate holdings in North Beach to pay Norton's debt. He filed for bankruptcy, and by 15, or 1858, he was living in reduced circumstances at a working-class boarding house. That is wow. where this story Rise begins. And fall, jeez. Oh, we haven't even risen yet. This is just <laughs> the start. By 1859, Norton had become completely discontented with what he considered the inadequacies of the legal and political structure of the United States. On September 17th, 1859, he took matters into his own hands. It was like the biggest, like, the courts did me wrong and now I'm mad. Yeah, basically, uh, he's like a, a libertarian. He took his matters into his own hands and distributed letters to the various newspapers in the city, proclaiming proclaiming himself emperor of these United States. (laughs) At the peremptory requested desire of a large majority of the citizens of the United States, I, Joshua Norton, formerly of Agoa Bay, Cape of... Actually, he was British, so he... Cape of Good Hope... And now, for the last nine years and ten months past of San Francisco, California, declare and proclaim myself Emperor of these United States, <laughs> and in virtue of the authority thereby in me vested, do hereby order and direct the representatives of the different states of the Union to assemble in Musical Hall of the city on the first day of February next, then and there to make such alterations in the existing laws of the Union, as may ameliorate the evils under which the country is laboring, and therefore cause confidence to exist, both at home and abroad, in our stability and integrity. So basically he said, every state send a representative to Music Hall in San Francisco, and we're going to fix this bitch. Uh, the announcement was first printed for humorous effect by the editor of the San Francisco Daily Evening Bulletin. Norton later added Protector of Mexico to this title and thus began his whimsical 21-year quote-unquote reign over America. Mm-hmm. Norton issued numerous decrees on matters of state, including a decree in, on October 12, 1859 to formally abolish the United States Congress. <laughs> in it, he observed, quote, uh, fraud and corruption prevent a fair and proper expression of the public voice that open violation of the laws are constantly occurring caused by mobs parties factions and undue influence of political sex that the citizen has not that protection of person and property which is entitled to norton's which he is entitled uh norton's orders were ignored by the army congress and likewise continued without any formal acknowledgement of the decree so hey by the way I kind of agree with Norton. 
some things don't change. <laughs> like this seems this is a, if some crazy guy in the street of San Francisco yelled about this now, I'd be like, yeah, yep. yeah, right, pretty yeah. pretty corrupt. Um, so and then the Congress just, of course, didn't do anything. Further decrees in 1860 ordered dissolution of the Republic and forbade the assembly of any members of the former Congress. Norton's battle against the elected leaders of America persisted for the remainder of his life. He issued a mandate in 1862 ordering both the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant Church to publicly ordain him as, quote, emperor, mm-hmm. hoping to resolve to the many disputes that he resulted in the Civil War. Uh, Norton then turned his attention to other matters, both political and social. He declared the abolition of the Democratic and Republic Party, mm-hmm. <laughs> Republican parties Good. on August 12th, 1869, quote, uh, being desirous of the allay of dis- dissensions of party strife now existing within our realm. The failure to treat Norton's adopted home city with appropriate respect is the subject of a particularly stern edict uh, that often is cited as having been written by Norton in 1872, although evidence is elusive. Whoever after... Oh, this is this is one of his decrees. Whoever after due and proper warning shall be heard to utter the abominable f- word Frisco, which has no <laughs> linguistic or other warrant, shall be deemed guilty of a high misdemeanor and shall pay into imperial treasury as penalty of the sum of $25. You have to say $25 if you use the frame Frisco. I and so it. San Francisco. How do, how do you feel like he... Like, that's this is a this is a theo so rule. Cal, jail for life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Norton was occasionally visionary, and some of his imperial decrees exist exhibited profound foresight. He issued instruction to form a League of Nations. He explicitly forbade any form of conflict between religions and their sects, and he decreed the construction of a suspension bridge or tunnel connecting Oakford and San Francisco. His later decrees, however, became increasingly irritated at the lack of prompt obedience by the authorities. <laughs> Norton spent his days inspecting San Francisco's streets in an elaborate blue uniform with gold-plated epaulets uh, given to him by officers of the United States Army posts uh, at the Presidio of San Francisco. So he looks like a like army officer. He's mm-hmm. wearing like an army officer with the like golden things on the shoulder. He also wore a beaver hat decorated with peacock feathers and a rosette. Mm-hmm. So he's just a good trendsetter. <laughs> yeah, he frequently enhanced his imperial posture with a cane or umbrella. During his inspections, he would examine the condition of sidewalks and cable cars, just like, hmm, the state of repair of public property and the appearance of police officers. So he would just go up to cops and be like, hmm, didn't really get the <laughs> uniform right, huh? Shoes aren't shine today, huh, Brown? Yeah. He's just going across the streets, just like looking at train cars. He's like, somebody should fix this. <laughs> like, why? He doesn't have any that. power. He would also give lengthy philosophical uh, expositions on a variety of topics to anyone with an earshot. Uh, special Ar- officer Armand Barbier uh, was part of a local auxiliary force whose members were called policemen, but in fact were private security guards paid by neighborhood residents and business owners. So basically, modern day cops. Bum bum bum. And he arrested Norton in 1867 to commit him to involuntary treatment for a mental disorder. The arrest outraged the citizens and sparked scathing editorials in the newspapers, including the Daily uh, Alta, which wrote that he had shed no blood, robbed no one, and despoiled no country, which is more that can be said uh, of his fellows in that line. Ooh, Got him. 
Police Chief Patrick Crowley ordered Norton released and issued a formal apology on behalf of the police force. And Norton granted an imperial pardon to Barbier. <laughs> police officers of San Francisco thereafter saluted him as he passed on the street. Norton did receive some tokens of recognition for his position. The 1870 U.S. Census lists Joshua Norton as 50 years old and residing on 624 Commercial Street, and his occupation is listed as, quote, emperor. <laughs> it also notes that he was insane. <laughs> what a great census taker. That I was like, oh, you're the emperor? Yeah, okay, side note, this guy's insane. fucking nuts, yeah, but this is so... But so cool. So at this point, everybody's in on the bit. Yeah. Everybody loves Norton. He's yep. great. Yep. I would love Norton. Yes. If Norton was around now, oh, man, he would be everywhere. Yeah. Um, I I think we would actually kind of ruin Norton though. I, I think, think we would ruin the yeah. We he would get too famous and get too into his own head, which yeah. is he's kind of getting there now. Um, because you can see with this next thing, Norton issued his own money, okay, in yeah. the form of script or permissory notes, which were accepted from him by some restaurants in San Francisco. That's <laughs> that's like kind of nice of them to do. He's These notes crazy, came in, but fine, we'll do it. These came came in denominations between fifty cents and ten dollars, and the few surviving notes are collectors' items that routinely sell for more than ten thousand dollars at auction. Damn. The city of San Francisco also honored Norton. When his uniform began to look shabby, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors bought him a suitably imperial replacement. Norton sent a gracious thank you note and issued a patent of nobility in perpetuity uh, for each supervisor. On the evening of January eighth, eighteen eighty. Norton collapsed on the corner of California Street and DuPont Street, now Grant Avenue, in front of the old St. Mary's Cathedral while on his way to lecture at the California Academy of Sciences. So he's going to a fucking lecture. Love it. Uh, His collapse was immediately noticed, and the officer on the beat hastened for a carriage to convey him to the city receiving hospital, according to the next day's obituary in the San Francisco Morning Call. Uh, Norton died before a car- carriage could arrive. The call reported, on the reek pavement in the darkness of a moonless night under the dripping rain, Norton I, by the grace of God, <laughs> Emperor of the United States and Protector <laughs> of Mexico, departed this life. Two days later, the San Francisco Chronicle led its article on Norton's funeral with the headline, Le Roi is Mort. I think the king is dead. The king is dead, yeah. Uh, it quickly became evident that Norton died had died in complete poverty, contrary to rumors of wealth. Five or six dollars in small change were found on his person, and his search of his room at the boarding house on Commercial Street turned up a single golden sovereign worth about $2.50. His possessions included his collection of walking sets, his rather battered saber, a variety of headgear including a stovepipe, a derby, a red-laced army cap, and another cap suited to a martial bandmaster, and... 1828 French frock and a handful of imperial bonds that he sold to Taurus at a fictitious 7% interest. <laughs> there were fake telegrams purported to be from Emperor Alexander II of Russia congratulating Norton on his forthcoming marriage to Queen Victoria. <laughs> and, and the president of France predicting that such a union would be disastrous to world peace. Also found were his letters to Queen Victoria and 98 shares of stock in a defunct gold mine. So this, like, he was actively crazy at this yep, point. He was. He, but I liked his fan fiction of like writing letters to himself from like different powerful people, being like, like he's going to marry Queen Victoria. <laughs> Somebody stop him. 
Uh, initial funeral arrangements were for a pauper's coffin of simple redwood. However, members of a San Francisco businessmen's association called the Pacific Club established a funeral fund that provided for a handsome rosewood casket and arranged a dignified farewell. Norton's funeral on Sunday, January 10th was solemn, mournful, and large. Paying the respects were members of, quote, all classes from capitalists to the pauper, to, uh, the clergyman to the pit pocket, well-dressed ladies, and those whose garb bearing hinted of the social outcast. It was reported that as many as 10,000 people lined the streets oh God. and that the funeral corsage uh, was two miles long. Uh, Norton was buried in the Sonic Cemetery at the expense of the cities in Francisco. That kind of got me like choked up a little. It was so it's like Damn. it's a nice little like th- this really crazy man. Him. Yeah, the city like he was a beloved figure he in the city. And he, he was like uh, I think I read also that uh, the city of San Francisco got more from him than he got from San Francisco. Yes, in I terms mean, of he like he was a tourist. Att- he was a tourist attraction. Yeah. Like he was great. Um, and I I just love the idea of this guy just being like I'm emperor of of the United <laughs> States, and everyone goes. Okay. All right. Bud. All right. Let's bud. have. Let's role play this. Let's have a good. T- <laughs> sure. Let's yes and this kind of stuff. Yeah. All um, society was like yes and. <laughs> if you okay, would you vote for him? No, he's crazy. No, <laughs> no, this <laughs> he, is a legitimate. <laughs> he he's like if Vermin Supreme wasn't yes. like in the know, like yes. if he was genuine. Yes. If which Vermin, is kind of, if Vermin Supreme wasn't in on the joke, which is the fun part. He's like a Tommy Wiseau. Yes. In my mind, of like he. He doesn't understand, and if somebody like popped that bubble and he understood, he would no longer be fun. Right? It would be the charm would be the spell would be broken. Like yeah, yeah, that was fun. I like that. He's a fun character, and I enjoy the camaraderie that is yes, created around agreed. him, and also the fact that he was emperor of of he's of America. Th- that's his title. That is emperor of protector of Mexico, pro- protector of Mexico as well. Uh, and that's that's it for the program, and that's it for Mr. Norton, Emperor Norton. Emperor Norton. Long so th- has he reigned? He reigned for he reigned for a decent amount of time. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this podcast in which Theo and I did fun fun jokes, fun quips and goofs, Your goofs and gags. If you have any fun goofs and gags, you can email us at segmentcitypodcast at gmail.com hit up our twitter at segment city hit up our youtube segment city leave us a review if you really like the show we love getting those uh whatever star rating you wish but maybe a five would be (laughs) would be nice uh and we would like to give a very special thank you to emperor norton descendants (laughs) Oh, oh wow Emperor i don't know i don't know if rachel, rachel is Robinson. A <laughs> i guess we'll find out if she confirms or denies this yeah uh the special thanks to rachel robinson she does our intro music she has a podcast of her own called create loud you can check it out wherever you got our podcast she's amazing go support her support your local business support Support your local nut job who thinks. Support he's an your emperor. local nut job who thinks he's an emperor support yourself who thinks the, you're the emperor that's it yeah have that that faith. Have faith, Arthur. That's right. Just a little more time. Just a little bit more time. We gotta get some money. We gotta get some money, and we'll <laughs> be on a boat to Tahiti, Arthur. Have some faith. Meanwhile, Arthur has like thousands of dollars in his pockets. I, Dutch, we need just a little bit of money, and you're like wearing a fancy peacoat. Yeah, exactly. He's like, 
Where are we going to get this money, Dutch? Where are we going to get this money, Dutch? Well, Arthur, if you only shared some of your wealth. <laughs> I already gave so much to this camp. I'm the only one who get like, somebody who is like. Is working around here? No one. There's like one person who comes back and they got like a minnow. <laughs> They're just like, ah, is this going to feed us? And then I'd come in and it's like putting hundreds of dollars in. <laughs> putting like this turned watches in. and jewelry. and This turned into Red Dead 2 discussion. Anyway, thank you, everybody. And remember, have a good night now. Have a little faith.